Hello and welcome to the brand new third episode of the podcasted edition of Schrodinger's Chat with myself, Joanne Duffy and... Uh, me, uh, the star of Lawrence Arabia and the late great Omar Sharif. You see, you thought I was going to go with Peter O'Toole there, but I didn't. I went for Omar Sharif. You racist. <laughs> Fault your oath. Um, <laughs> you know, see, I really should have gone with Peter O'Toole because of this subject this week. But also before the we started recording this, Owen said, wait a minute, let me check if Omar Sharif is actually dead. Rest <laughs> in peace, Omar. He had written in the script He's the a late great actor. Omar. Have you ever seen Lawrence of Arabia? No, I it's saw 10 minutes of it and then was asleep because... It's very good. It's very good. That's the thing. I should have gone with Peter O'Toole. Looking, I lo- j- literally just realised that now. I should have gone with Peter O'Toole because of the subject this week, which is alcohol. And he was a quite a big drinker. He's one of the greats. Um, what is this programme, Owen? Sorry, uh, this is Schrodinger's chat where uh, somebody who knows quite a lot about things um, explains those things to somebody who doesn't know much about anything. Didn't uh, even know that Omar Sharif was already nah, dead. I really didn't. I really feel bad about that because I really like Omar Sharif. He's in some great films and he's a great actor. He was a great actor. Sorry. Um, yes. Uh, no, um, my name is actually Owen O'Doul, by the way. I'm not Omar Sharif. Um Sorry to God, disappoint. This, this, this podcast has gone off the rails very early. This. Yes, the late Omar Sharif would like to sponsor this podcast. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so what happened in science this this week or um, in recent times? Do you know any science things that happened? I, this is not, that's not my Well, area. the big thing, I suppose, is Elon Musk's car. Big boom rocket. Thing yeah. the Falcon Heavy launch was uh, how inconsiderate week. of him to do that after we've done our space episode. Epis- I know it was very rude, um, but also it's the largest rocket by a by a an order of magnitude to be shot up. It's enormous, and yeah, he just put a car up there because sure, why not? It's not the first car in space, but it wasn't meant. It's not that the biggest thing about it isn't the car though. It's the the reusable size of the yeah and the, and the reusable rockets yeah, 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 yeah. that is incredible yeah yeah and the fact that they can land themselves is crazy yeah, that's it's, insane it's, it's insane technology yeah it's madness and the fact that it's coming from a private place is you know that it's not a state funded thing yeah. it's not a it's not like a NASA or like a space program it's um, that it's funded by a private billionaire is a bit crazy um I feel like I've heard several places say this, but that Elon Musk is like, I think it was a tweet that I saw this week that Elon Musk is one white cat away from being a Bond villain. He is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but, but he does he does remind me of villain. And like, realistically, if somebody is a billionaire, they didn't get there by always being nice. You know what I mean? So this week's episode is about... Alcohol. We are going to be talking about the drink. The demon drink. Uh, so a lot of people will have partaken in what is called dry January. Yeah. Um, That's why I wanted to do this one this, this week because uh, um, I didn't do it. Um, because, me either. But I have done it before. And I know like after a few days you feel great. You feel like you're, do- like you're, just, you're, you're just doing great. And you're like, you know what? I'm, I'm, I've, I'm so healthy. Um, this is a new year. This is going to be the year. This is going to be my year. And then, like, you know, January 28th rolls around and you're like, oh, God, I'd love a drink. You know, I'd love to go down to the pub just, just to have one, you know. And then uh, in February, you know, everybody goes kind of wild and goes, mm. you know, out in the lash, like almost immediately. Also, I think the payday thing has a yes. lot to do with it because a lot of people will get paid 
early for Christmas. So, for example, most people get paid at the end of the month. Um, so rather than trying to organise payroll between the 24th and the 31st of December, because that's a nightmare for everybody, mm-hmm. payroll generally comes out before the 24th, which means you might get paid on, say, the, the 21st of December or the 20th of December. And then you don't get paid again, though, until like three days before the end of January. So that can be very, very difficult for people in terms of finances. So this January felt like it was 400 days long. It was unbelievable. And for, and for you? Yeah, and but I I found that on the internet generally people saying like that there was it felt That's like strange. such a long month. I, I my January flew because I'm always poor, so it's just like it was well, just a general. It was just a, like it was a continuation on from Christmas, being like, oh, I'm still poor, great. It was and very then, hard into to, February to try and manage with that gap of like basically like six and a half weeks between paydays rather than five weeks or four and a half weeks between paydays. And then interestingly, the, the the January to February one is very short because obviously February is the shortest month. So, yeah. But mm-hmm. that affects people a lot. And then I think when the January payday hits, you feel wealthy because you've been on the edge for so long and mm-hmm. Christmas is so expensive for so many people. So then you hit February and you're like, okay, January payday has rolled in. I have been on the dry all January long. And then people overconsume on alcohol, and it's kind of like the food episode. If you yeah. if you check out our SoundCloud, we'll have a whole episode about food. Um, it's it's the same kind of thing. It's yeah. um, it's like overcompensation for the bad drinking habits you know you have by going away from it for an entire month, and then going back to the exact same habits again when February hits around. Yeah. So you'd be much better pacing yourself and having a pint or a couple of pints every week, or you know, yeah. That's what I thought. See, that's what I was wanted to get into kind of a bit. Um, but before all that, we should start with the science of it. Before we get into uh, <laughs> all that, let's get into the science of alcohol. Yeah, how it's made first off. Like beer, let's say. Let's start with beer because that's the most common one and there's so many different ways to make beer. Mm-hmm. So let's go. Joanne, science me. Lay, me, lay, lay some lovely science onto my face at the moment. Go. So basically, alcohol is all essentially made by the same process. It's uh, yeast, so it's microorganisms eating up sugars and turning them into carbon dioxide and mm-hmm. ethanol, which is alcohol. Um, and depending on the the rest of the ingredients or the treatment of the stuff after you make it or what fruit or uh, whatever source the sugar is, so for example, whether it's barley or hops or potatoes or grapes you get different types of alcohol depending on those things um and but essentially it's the same fundamental biochemical process it's just yeast eating up sugar and they produce this byproduct and we happen to like it yeah so uh, for example with grapes it's the, the the sugars and the grapes that are used up and with with beer there's lots of different ways to make beer but generally it's hops that are used um so there's also obviously wheat beers um and barley can be used as well. It completely depends on the type of beer, um, whether it's a, a hoppy beer or a wheat beer. So, for example, Erdinger is a wheat beer that Just I... Just before that, look, because everybody... You go out for drinks, right? Yeah. And you, you go and you get a weird drink, let's say, uh, I don't know, um, the purple... The purple thistle <laughs> beer, or let's say, and you're like, oh, look at this purple thistle beer. Oh, and somebody takes a drink and, and they're like, oh, it's very hoppy. Mm. Uh, and I taste, taste a drink and I'm like, mm, it tastes like beer. What's <laughs> the, like, what's the, what's, what, are, what are hops? What, like, what, what does that mean? You know, it's hoppy. I don't get it. I don't so get it, So th- that's where you're getting into kind of the craft element of things. And, you know, it's the same kinds of, kind of thing with cheese um, because it's, 
fundamentally, it's just a microbiological process. It's just microorganisms eating one source of a thing and making byproducts. And then that changes the chemical structure of the stuff. And then you get cheese from milk. And you'll have people saying, you know, it's the same thing with coffee, actually. You know, in that case, it's not a biochemical process, um, as in it's not a it's not mediated by microorganisms is what I mean. But like with coffee, it depends on where the beans are grown and it depends on the type of roast they have. It depends on the type of espresso machine you then use to to generate the coffee. It depends on the water, blah, blah, blah. But like you'll see on menus in coffee shops, there's an excellent coffee shop in Galway called Coffee Work and Press. It is probably the most amazing place in the city for coffee. Honestly, you got to stop plugging stuff that we don't, oh, we're but, not getting oh, paid by. Coffee Working like, Press is really, though. I'm sure it is. I'm sure it's it is. Amazing. But let's wait until the money flows in and then we can flog it all you want. It's very, very good. Uh, you should go. And they have a beautiful gallery upstairs with lots of really quirky... Th- what you're telling me is they have plenty of money <clears throat> to give us to do this. Coffee Working Press are almost certainly not going to sponsor this podcast, but oh. it is a lovely place to go. But on their menu, they give the types of coffee. So they have like a, a host brew at any given time. And they give the the tastes that you're going to get from that coffee. And one of them was blueberry shortbread recently. Oh. And I remember looking at the menu and thinking, come on now, like it's coffee. It's yeah. not going to taste like blueberry shortbread. Sure. And I tasted it and I was like, blueberry shortbread. And like you could distinctly taste blueberries from it. So it completely depends on um, yeah, what, what type of stuff is left in it and that's why different wines taste different because the grapes are grown in different regions or in different countries altogether. Um, so interestingly with wine production uh, some kind of craft wine producers will use so you know when you get grapes sometimes there's a kind of a whitish powdery sort of looking thing on the outside. Do you know that? that uh, like Cocaine? <laughs> No, it's not like they're not coated in it, but they look kind of powdery on the outside. Do you know what I mean? No, I really don't. But continue. Well, maybe some of our listeners will know what you mean. But like grapes, generally speaking, like they'll have this sort of, yeah, it's like a fine sort of whitish coating on the outside of them. And that is yeast. So there are natural yeast that colonize grapes when they're growing just by the by nature. Right. Um, So you can use those yeasts to actually start off a wine culture. So some people will do that, but but that's risky because you don't know exactly how the wine is going to turn out at the end of the process. So most places will just use a, a starter culture of a very specific species of yeast. Uh, and the same thing for beer production. So the yeasts that are used are specific strains. Generally speaking, it's they're, they're all the same species. Um, it's usually a type of yeast called Saccharomyces cerevisiae. Whoa, say mm. that five times fast. Yeah. Um, do it. Saccharomyces cerevisiae, Saccharomyces cerevisiae, Saccharomyces. It's really, yeah, really, really good. Really I can't yeah. do it. I don't like well. Just, <laughs> <laughs> I'm very sad. Yeah, but Saccharomyces cerevisiae, but then there's lots of strains within that species. Yeah. Uh, and Carlsberg, the brewery, have their own patent on a species. So they have Carlsberg gensis, Saccharomyces Carlsberg gensis. So they have a the name, name the they've named the thing yeah, after? After their own. Wow. Yeah, yeah it's very cool. So Pity it doesn't taste great. Carlsberg, it's okay if it's cold. <laughs> if Carlsberg would like to sponsor this podcast at all, that would be ideal. Um, no, I. So yeah. So basically, when when people get into that thing of like that a beer is very hoppy, it just depends on what's what the source material for right. making the thing is. Okay. A lot of that is is notiony, and it's not really anything to do with the process of making the beer. There's actually a great beer brewing stuff going on at the campus at the moment. Um, the Microbiology Society on the NUI Galway campus, if you would like to join it, if you're a student on the campus. 
um, they do some beer brewing stuff and they made a gorgeous rhubarb one last year and there's still some bottles oh. hanging around. Yeah, it's great. So you can ferment anything with sugar in it. So that's where, for example, putting, you know, people would have made putting... Sorry, brewbarb should be the name of the beer with the rhubarb. <laughs> and yes, there was no... Uh, that, that took me that amount of time to think of brewbarb. <laughs> Sorry. Poutine, go on. That caused me um, <laughs> a type of physical pain. <laughs> if any of you listen to the Blind Boy podcast, you'll have heard him chatting a little bit about Poutine and about the the reason why spirits are called spirits. Um, because when people would have been making things like Poutine, it would have been out of whatever they had to hand. So yeah. it's not always made of spuds, um, but a lot of the time it would have been potatoes because that that's what people had. Yes. So they were... They didn't understand the science of the fermentation process, but they were able to carry it through. So they thought that it was mediated by spirits. They thought it was the fairies. that, And that's why they would take um, the first drop of alcohol that would come out of the, the pudding still and mm-hmm. throw it over their shoulder because they were offering a gift to the fairies. Um, but yeah, that's why it's called spirits because you yeah. were you were literally distilling spirits as far as they were concerned. Right. Um, and the same thing is true of cheese and yogurt and stuff like, and, and even bread, um, because yeast obviously is used to to rise bread. That a lot of these foods are ancient. You know, yeah. Like uh, distilling alcohol and and fermenting things has been going on a long, 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 long time. But it wasn't always understood. So it's not that people knew, oh, you know, the yeast are converting the sugars into alcohol. Yeah. They didn't understand what they were doing. Um, but they, they understood that if they added certain things in a very particular way, nearly like alchemy, that yeah. it would produce a particular result. So it's a very interesting cultural it's, thing. It's, yeah, it is a cultural thing. I was just yeah, about to say very that. Much so. yeah. um, in in terms of Irish culture, alcohol <clears throat> like and this is not this is nothing nothing new to anybody. Uh, but alcohol is such a it's such a massive driving force behind pretty much everything we've yeah. ever done. Yeah. Um, and I just wanted to get into that a little bit and why, like, like dry January is not a thing that any I don't think anybody else really does. Other countries, world. yeah. Well, because they don't have. We have a kind of um, a benevolent alcoholism in Ireland that we just sort of. I was talking to somebody recently who was saying that they said to their GP that they're having really terrible hangovers lately. Yeah. Since they turned 30, they've been having these disastrous hangovers like where they can't move for the whole day. They feel like really, really, really bad. Yeah. Not just like a regular, oh, I need a pizza and four litres of coffee. Like they can't actually move. And they were worried that it was just something to do with ageing. Yeah. So they asked their doctor about it and the doctor was like, well, like how much drink are you talking? And she was like, yeah, you know, like only three or four pints. And the doctor was like, pints, like three or four in one night. And she was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the doctor was like, well, that's why, like, that's an enormous amount of alcohol to consume in one sitting. And that's like, that's the basal level for most Irish people. That would be considered like the social norm of. Absolutely. Three, yeah. Like four pints is like a, a a quiet night in the pub. Oh, yeah. I mean, where, like where that would finish me off. Like, as in. But you're expected, like, you know, you're expected on a, on a like a night out to have at least six or seven pints at and. Yeah, it's like that tweet I sent you during the week. It's by a guy, Donald O'Keefe. He's brilliant on Twitter if you want to follow him. And he had a tweet uh, during the week that was overheard in the pub. If I had any more than 14 pints, she'd know I had a drink on board. Yeah. Like that's And that's like a ha ha ha. But it's it's also not quite that funny, you know. Like, yeah, well, yeah, because it's it's like 12, 12 pubs is such a big thing yeah. in Ireland. And like I lived in Canada for two years and trying to explain 12 pubs to people out there. And they're like, what, you have 12 pints in one night? 
And you're like, yeah, 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 but you move around, there's games to it. And you're like, yeah, but go back to the 12 pints thing. I mean, yeah. how? How? Yeah, and I, I, to be perfectly honest, I don't think I've ever finished 12 pubs, but I get, I'd stop maybe at 9 or 10. Um, but that's, even that, <laughs> even that's far too much drink uh, to consume for somebody of my size. Yeah, uh, it is, yeah. yeah. Um, we normalise alcoholism and we kind of um, romanticise it in a way because it's kind of like, oh sure, you know, like the pint men thing, you know, Paddy Losty yes. and that whole thing. Like that's that's not good to yeah. look at through rose into glasses. But it is know? great, you know, I mean, at the same time in saying that, I mean, I love going for drinks. I love it. Oh, I love uh, it as well. Alcohol is brilliant and there's no reason why you can't enjoy alcohol in moderation it has we'll get into some health benefits of alcohol in a little bit yeah well let's start with the health issues maybe as if, like so let's say you know uh, after dry January you know you think you're doing quite well and you're like right I've just got paid from my job as a ad- advertiser for Diageo <laughs> Diageo <laughs> and now I'm going to go have a rake of pints with my money <laughs> Um, uh, with all my mates and you go out and you have like eight points yeah um, that's not that's not okay as in like so the health benefits of alcohol are so moderate alcohol consumption can provide some benefits to your health so it can reduce your risk of dying from heart disease uh, it can maybe there's there's some indications in some studies that it can reduce your risk of an ischemic stroke, which is where the arteries uh, that go to your brain get uh, narrowed, so or else they become blocked. Um, so it reduces the blood flow to your brain, which causes sudden death of brain tissue, which is really what a stroke is. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can possibly reduce your risk of diabetes. But these are all tenuous connections in yeah. the first place and they are related specifically to moderate alcohol consumption because excessive alcohol consumption contributes to the development of all of those diseases so for example you're at a, a hugely increased risk for developing heart disease if you overconsume alcohol you're at a hugely increased risk for developing a stroke suddenly if you overconsume alcohol and you're definitely at risk for diabetes because there's a lot of sugar in alcohol sure. it's very very calorific yeah. Um, and they're empty calories. You're not getting, insofar as you're not getting any nutritional benefit from them. So, um, you know, you're you're just drinking calories and and not getting any benefit. Um, and what would be a moderate amount? Let's say for someone um, average male. Okay, so what would that be? You know, as uh, so a six foot, um, you know, regular bloke, regular fellow, uh, okay, thirteen stone or whatever. Is so, that heavy? Thirteen stone. I don't know. What is so? There's a really, really interesting thing on uh, Drink Aware that um, a report. It was back in 2012, but I would assume that the results of this still stand, if not, have gotten worse. Uh, so it's by the Health Researchers Board, Research Board in Ireland, um, which they're the board that do all of the health research. Sure. Um, they're very, very aptly named. Mm-hmm. Um, so less, they found that less than one in ten people can correctly identify the number of standard drinks in different measures of alcohol when they were asked and uh, getting like knowing the information about what is a standard drink is the baseline for understanding whether or not you're over consuming. Sure. So just what is a standard drink? Tell me what you think it is. A standard drink is probably so a glass of wine or a, maybe a, a pint of beer or, you know, 
No. You're shaking your head. Yeah, no, no. Um, I told you, yeah, so I don't know much. A half pint of beer. Half a, pint. Is a standard drink and a small glass of wine, which is 100 milliliters. So if you think about like a, a juice glass of or orange juice, it'd be about 200. Yeah, the, the cup, Owen is holding up a cup. At Again, the a visual aid for an audio. It's like the last episode yes. where I said the word cup and you correctly held up the cup. Um <laughs> Uh, yeah, we got to we'll get a camera in here so that <laughs> the, it can work on both levels and AV levels. Um, okay, so a little smiley cup of of wine is one drink. Um, no, 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 that's a hundred mils would only be about a third of that. A third of the smiley cup, thereabouts. Yeah, a, a very small glass of wine, a hundred milliliters. This is, is really a very not that small much. smiley cup. I'll have you know, listeners. A hundred mils is really not that much. Um, so. Uh, the HSE have low risk guidelines. So obviously these are guidelines to reduce your risk of developing diseases and having problems as a result of alcohol. So mm-hmm. uh, it's up to 17 standard drinks spread out over one week for men and up to 11 standard drinks spread out over one week for women. So okay. so if you basically have that number, so for example, for women, it'd be five to six uh, pints. Over the course of a week, not in one night. Yeah, okay, but if you had it, if you had five or six pints one day in a week. Yeah, that's not, you can't save them up, you you know. So you can't go out, let's say, on Friday night and be like, okay, I'm going to have five pints, but that would be my drink for the week. Like it. No, so what the guidelines are 11 standard drinks, which is 110 grams of pure alcohol spread out over the week for women with at least two alcohol-free days. And for men, then it's 17 standard drinks, which is 170 grams of pure alcohol spread out over the week for men with at least two alcohol-free days. So you must have at least two days where you do not drink. Well, yeah. Which means you're basically talking a pint a night and maybe two if you're feeling risky. Well, that's just ridiculous. I mean, that, that, like nobody <laughs> follows. Nobody's going to follow that. The f- like everybody else in the whole world does who's not an alcoholic. That's the thing. <laughs> is that like the French have a small glass of wine with their dinner. And then the, the thing is, you'll hear Irish people doing this. You'll, they'll, they'll be like halfway through a bottle of wine and go, should the French have it with their dinner the whole time? <laughs> and you're like, yes, but they're having... 100 to 200 milliliters of good quality red wine with a meal maybe in the middle of the day on a Sunday and then or or possibly they'll have a glass of wine with some cheese in the evening but they won't have a bottle of wine a night that's insane <laughs> that's that's so much alcohol I know uh, yeah but it's so if you take 100 like... mils as as a standard drink of wine what is there in a bottle of wine 900 mils something like that yeah yeah so it's nine drinks so you're already at your uh, nearly your weekly limit for a woman. But the thing is, though, I mean, th- that doesn't affect you, though. I mean, like, be, do you know what I mean? Like, hundred mils of wine won't won't affect me in any way. You know what I mean? It won't affect. It wouldn't even affect you in any way. Uh, well, I wouldn't drink wine in the first place because it's horrendous. But ah, oh, come on! Oh, it's just terrible. I think the, I honestly believe that wine is like some big in joke. <laughs> in the world I don't believe that anyone could possibly enjoy it it's horrendous yeah it is it yeah. is you, you've called us out wine and okay, gin everybody everybody you know it's 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 um it's t- the jig is up Joanne's figured it out I don't get it we've 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 played our joke I on her for the it. last 24 and years for some reason people are so much more tolerant if you don't like beer so for example if somebody says like oh Jesus no I just don't I really just don't like beer 
everyone's like, oh, okay, sound. And then they don't question it. But if you say you don't like wine, people do this, oh my God, well, you just haven't had the right grape. And you're like, no, I just don't enjoy it. Well, you haven't had the right grape. Yes, I have. I've tried, okay, I have tried wine from a carton. I've tried a very well, expensive that's, that's, French wine. Okay. The only wine I'll tolerate, or, or I should say alcohol produced from grapes, is uh, champagne. Sparkling stuff I can get on board with. I don't really get it. I can handle a dessert wine. Okay. Um, it's so weird the way people just won't tolerate it if you say oh, no. I'll, like I'll, it. To- I'll tolerate it. I'll to- okay. So instead of saying hundred mils of wine, it's, okay. So a half a pint, a half a pint wouldn't affect you. It certainly wouldn't affect me. If I had a pint of Guinness, I'd I'd start to feel drunk. Definitely. Yeah. I start but to a feel half a pint wouldn't. A half a pint, I'm starting to get there. Like a, a half a pint kind of warms my face up. You know that feeling? Yes. Most people don't then, get that till three pints. Then that's your drink for the night. Then. Do you know what I mean? Where's the f- where's the fun in that? Do you know? But you see, this is the thing: is that like we have cultured ourselves in Ireland, I think, to not enjoy anything except getting absolutely hammered, and that's because we're afraid of enjoying ourselves. No, I don't. No, I, I don't think that. I don't think that. I don't want to get absolutely hammered. I just want to get you know nicely drunk, so I can you know lower yeah. the inhibitions a bit, so I can dance. You know, that's, that's but that's the thing: is lowering the inhibitions. That's it. It's that we are afraid to dance. Because we're afraid of how we're perceived if we're having the crack. Because we rely on alcohol as a crutch to get us through things. Well, yeah. What, what, you would. I mean, have you seen me dance? I have, yeah. <laughs> I mean, people would need alcohol to get through watching me dance as opposed to even me just dancing. So I just, I think that, that well, first off, I think that health board thing is all bogus. It's, <laughs> it's not, all wrong. It's, it's I only on trust one website and that's famousscientist.org. <laughs> Um, no, but aside from that, I just. So what what would you think binge drinking is? If you're describing, if I say to you, God, I, I was binge drinking last week, Owen, what would you be <laughs> on Wednesday? What would you picture me having consumed in that night? Like at least, I mean, I would assume you've been drinking all day. <laughs> you know, as in like, you've, so you've been drinking from like 12 in the afternoon until until like 12 at night. So what would you think if if you maybe a drink an hour then? Yeah. So that'd be like 12 that. that'd be 12 pints. Yeah, something like or 12, that. 12 12 yeah, just so we'll we'll go with pints because that's what I drink. So yeah, 12 yeah. pints of Guinness. Something or cans, let's say because or yeah, I don't know. Cans seem a bit more seedy for some, for some reason. Okay, that's <laughs> four times what a binge drink is. So a binge binge drinking is defined as when you drink six or more standard drinks in one sitting. For example, three pints of four point five percent beer. And regularly drinking alcohol at this level can experience increase your risk of experiencing alcohol related harms such as stomach disease, accidents, stroke, violence, cancers, and depression. Well, yes, that's let's um get into the um, mental side of it so a little bit oh yeah I mean, so alcohol is a depressant yeah. I mean like it's it's a depressant and that's where this idea of the fear comes from so you know when yes. you wake up the next morning and oh you, god do I know it Joanne yes the fear is really horrendous and you you have sore hair and you're, you're <laughs> you can hear your fingernails growing and the world seems like a dangerous place and if your house sort of makes a creak that you're unfamiliar with you feel like the Grim Reaper is around the corner. It's a yeah. horrendous feeling. And that is directly as a result of uh, of the fact that you have pumped a massive amount of a depressant into your body. Mm-hmm. Um, so it makes you feel good at the time because it lowers your inhibitions. But chemically, it's a depressant. So that's why it'll make people feel very depressed, which is not really surprising. Uh, and then there's other alcohols, uh, you know, products that have other ingredients in them that also make you feel crap. So... Um, 
there's certain types of, of wines and when there's very high levels of tannins, they can make you feel very sick. Yeah. Um, they can make some people come out in a rash and all sorts of stuff and make people very nasally. It can make them very uh, sneezy and have all sorts of sinusitis problems, which just act to compound a hangover and make you feel even worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can also uh, that red wine is famous for causing very bad headaches and yeah. that's yeah that that's as a result of those extra compounds that are in drinks like that so it also disturbs your sleep so even if you do fall asleep mm-hmm. alcohol tends to make some people very very sleepy even if you do fall asleep you're not getting good quality sleep at all you never no. enter the REM cycle which is why you feel so tired even if you have slept 12 hours because you've not actually gone through the proper processes of sleep it can cause anxiety because uh, memory loss and blackouts so you've no idea where you were or who you were with yeah. but it's a miracle that you have your keys in your wallet <laughs> when you get <laughs> home um, it can cause uh, yeah, very bad mood swings it can cause your vision to change um, it can give you you know you, your judgement can be severely impaired so you can make decisions that you otherwise wouldn't make like buying everybody rounds of shots <laughs> and, yeah. and things of that nature uh, it gives you headaches, you can have diarrhea and nausea, it can give you really bad skin. For some people it's acne and for other people it's the opposite, it's drying out your skin a huge amount. And it can also cause you to gain weight. Um, it's a huge factor in in obesity and weight gain for a lot of people because even if you're eating quite healthily and training with the guy four nights a week, if you're going out and having four or five pints every time you go out to drink, which might be twice or three times a week for some people, that's a lot of alcohol uh, and it's, it's a lot of calories to be taking in with no nutritional benefits. So it's very hard to work that amount off. Isn't it oestrogen that's in the beer that, that causes for, for men to, to like gain weight and uh, oestrogen and sugar? Whereas, to, whereas people would have... Um, well, so beer can lower your testosterone levels. Yeah. 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 Um, Which and, is bad for Yeah, men. And, and hops have a lot of oestrogen in them. So they're, um, it can cause changes, but like re- really... The problem is the calories. I mean, you're, the the problems associated with the hormones are probably not that profound. Mm-hmm. The calories are really okay. the big the big issue. So the, the, they're just some of the short term effects of uh, drinking alcohol. But then the long term effects are obviously you can become very dependent dependent on yeah. alcohol. It's extremely addictive, um, and you can develop very high blood pressure, which is the highest one of the highest risk factors in the world for. Uh, cardiovascular disease and therefore death that is non-communicable. So if you exclude all uh, infectious diseases, so diseases you can catch, excluding those types of diseases, the one of the biggest risk factors is high blood pressure and high cholesterol. They're both both yeah. very good indicators that somebody will develop heart disease mm-hmm. or cardiac arrhythmia and die. But okay, that's that's bad, mm-hmm. right? There's no there's no two ways about that. That's a bad thing. But on the flip side of that, do you know people? need a release. Yeah. I think that, like, you you can't... You can see it now. I mean, this... With sports stars, especially, right? They... they, they Elite sports people can't... No, actually, even, like, GAA players at the highest level will go on drinking bans for for a full year. The training... Like, the whole training season. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, you just see them... They get pent up and they can't go out. They can't do anything. Uh, they get, like... they So they fall into other addictions which are you know, harmful, like, um, gambling addiction. And, yeah. and, you know, you need a release. And it just, it seems like alcohol or going for a few drinks is, is the safest form of... But of, it's not. But yeah. what, what, well, what then, would you say, you know? Well, I, it's to do with our culture, if you're talking specifically about Ireland, really, because, I mean, 
we have normalised this idea that three to four pints is a regular night out. Like I was in Glasgow for New Year's there with um, a bunch of people from the UK and then also an American friend of ours who had who came over that we were working with in America during the summer. And she was shocked like at the, at the amount of alcohol that we were drinking. She just couldn't believe like that one person would consume all of that in one night. And I think she thought that was just because it was New Year's Eve. Yeah. But I was like the next day or a couple of days later, I was talking to her and I was like, no, that's just like a normal night out for people from Ireland and from the UK. It's a big thing in the UK as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, I would nearly argue it's worse over there because they don't have as strict of laws and also even like in clubs and stuff in Glasgow, like 50p drinks, like it's madness. It's yeah. completely insane. So, yeah, it's it's not as strict on the laws over there. But like we really do overconsume alcohol. So like people do need a release, definitely. And alcohol is a, a good thing to consume in moderate amounts. But it's it's the amount, it's the dose that makes the poison, you know. It's the same as anything. It's like food. It's like food is great. And it's food is a good thing to find comfort in because you can sit down and enjoy like a really well-made, nice lasagna covered in cheese and, and really enjoy it. The problem is like if you're constantly over consuming those kinds of things and if you're eating enough for three people and if you know, you know, it's about it is the dose that makes them poison. All right. Well, in that case, let's carry on from that. You can make your own food. Can you make your own alcohol? Then? Yeah, you can. Yeah, it's very easy. Um, beer brewing is really not that complex. It's a, a very simple process. And you can buy really good kits now from kind of notiony uh, craft beery sort of places. Uh-huh. Um, there's loads of, of things you can order the kits online and stuff and they'll come. You need some very basic pieces of equipment and some sort of basic knowledge about what you're doing. But you don't need to be a, a microbiologist to be, to to brew certainly not make it in the bath so is that would that be a good thing to do then just make your own and then the thing is if you make your own it's like you're you'll savor it more and you'll you won't be drinking it to get pissed you know you'll be drinking it because it's an enjoyable thing to have yeah um that that's one of the reasons i think i love guinness so much is because it is just such an enjoyable thing to actually drink it's just such a beautiful experience. It, like watching a pint of Guinness be poured is enjoyable in itself. Mm-hmm. And then actually drinking it is like a, it's an experience. It's not just a drink. And so when you finish a pint of it, you feel really satisfied that you've actually enjoyed that pint rather than necking a pint of something that's not that particularly nice and then going back for round two because the first pint didn't satisfy you so you're going for another one now that said I would have two or three pints again and that is too much <laughs> me that is too much to be drinking in one night I lived abroad for for a while and did you and I coming back I, did I not mention uh, coming back I um, you know and going with my brothers for a drink into Hulan it it was it was just it's nicer there for me the the because the atmosphere is nice uh it's it it gives me like great nostalgia being there yeah it's home it's it's home exactly and i just think that you know taking take a take that away from 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 people it's just it's just but it's, uh, you know, it's not taking it away it. from people that's but the it thing is it. though because you you'd, you'd have three 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 pints you know because you know but we just need to alter our thinking about it. So like three drinks is the limit. So th- if you if you listen to what we were saying there earlier on about binge drinking. So three. So uh, a binge drinking is when you 
drink six standard drinks in one sitting. So three pints of 4.5% beer. But that's the thing is that we should have it so that like you're drinking two pints and really enjoying and savouring those two pints rather than, you know, just mindlessly drinking three pints. The same way that, that continental European people do with their, like generally speaking, obviously it's wine for continental Europe just because of the weather. For us, it's stuff like pints and poutine because, you know, that's just what we have. Yeah. Um, but like the the culture has come up around things like double vodka red bulls, which is an enormous amount of dangerous stuff to be putting in your body yeah. in one in one glass. Like it's really not good. Yeah, that is a that is an insane drink. Yeah, um, it is. and it's very cheap. That's the other problem. Yeah. is that it's cheap and it's it's accessible to people. Yeah, uh, it, it it's like that. I I get that, and to like you can even feel yourself after like one of those. Your heart going. Like the clappers, yeah. um, and it'll continue to do that the next day as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I guess, but I, I just think that I don't know. It's a, it's a culture that sure is not is not the healthiest maybe scientifically, but I think it's the healthiest socially. I think it's a socially good thing because it can be, but it can also be very dangerous in a social context as well. Because, for example there's a lot of violence that's associated with alcohol. There's that a lot of true. crime that is associated with alcohol. Yes. There's a lot of accidents that are associated with alcohol and particularly with driving. Yeah. Um, well, that's idiotic. Yeah. But so, so how, like, how much do we drink? Um, so per capita alcohol consumption in Ireland was 11.46 litres of pure alcohol per person age 15 plus in 2016. Age 15 plus? Age 15 plus and Woo. an increase of 4.8% from 2015 when it was 10.93 litres. So it's going up. So we're drinking more. The so boom is back. The Health Researchers <laughs> Board, who we were speaking about earlier on, yeah. said that the, our per capita alcohol consumption in 2015 in Ireland was the equivalent of 41 litres of vodka 116, pardon me, bottles of wine or 445 pints of beer per person aged 15 plus, per person. So when we consider the fact that uh, at least one in five adults in Ireland don't even drink alcohol, that means that the people who do drink are consuming significantly more per person than those figures. So if you if you get rid of all the people who who don't drink and are teetotalers, 445 pints of beer actually goes up Per person, because... 445 <laughs> pints of beer per person. Yeah. That is... That can't be right. It's I more than that. It's more than 445 pints I'm per person. Thinking, I can't. I can't be drinking no, that because, much. Well, think, there's 365 days in a year. Yeah, I don't drink every day of the year. No, but some people do. And on the nights that you do drink, even if you only drank 200 out of the 365 nights of the year, or just over... Or just sorry, just under two hundred. So if you basically, you know, cut it in half, so one hundred and six, one hundred, yeah, one hundred and sixty days. If on most of those nights out, you're drinking three to four pints minimum, minimum, you'd never have less than that. Nobody ever goes for one. Yeah. So if you're drinking that minimum, then think about the people whose minimum is six. So that's where these numbers are coming from. Do you know what I mean? Because Christ, that is four, a lot. Yeah, because. You know, for 150 days, so that'd be half the year. Yeah. And if you multiply that number by four, you're way above the 445. Great. You know? Well... So you'd actually only need to be drinking about 100 days of the year, which most people would in Ireland, I'd say. Yeah, I'd drink 100 days of the year, I'd yeah. say. Yeah. Because, um, I mean, well, actually, think about that. That's just weekends, because it's 52 weeks in a year. Yeah. 
So it's just both days of a weekend. Wowie, that's a that yeah. is a that's a sobering fact. Um, so a pun intended. Come on, just, that, that deserved a laugh. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> the adjusted figures. So if you exclude the fifth of people who abstained from alcohol, um, they the, the the figures go up from forty one bottles to forty six bottles of vodka, one hundred and thirty bottles of wine to sorry one hundred and sixteen bottles of wine up to one hundred and thirty bottles of wine, and from four hundred and forty five pints of beer up to four hundred and ninety eight. So uh, alcohol consumption in Ireland trebled over four decades between nineteen sixty and two thousand and one. So it went up threefold. Great. That's that's incredible. Um, yeah, that is that is hard to believe. Wow. So, okay, alternatively then, what can you do? So you want to go out and you want to have a good time and you want to release. So you can't drink. You can drink. You just no, but can't. you can't drink. Or let's say we'll <laughs> take it off the table. You can't drink. So is, is are there other drugs that are better? Do you know what I mean? Like, it would... Legalizing marijuana, you know. Well, it doesn't have the same effect as alcohol. That's yeah. the thing. So they're not. It's a false equivalence because you don't get like it doesn't lower your inhibitions in the same way that alcohol yeah. does. So you're not gonna. No, nobody, I don't think would would do that. Yeah, and nobody then, wants to just go to the bar and and smoke high. weed. Yeah, no, and yeah. and get up and dance. Nobody's gonna. Yeah. Nobody's gonna have the energy <laughs> no. to do any of that. No, so no, yeah. that's not really a solution. I mean, there are a lot of arguments that marijuana is significantly less harmful than alcohol is. Yes. Uh, but that's th- that's not going to happen in Ireland, I don't no. think. Um, it, alcohol and uh, smoking are, are similar, you know, in, in the harmful effects that they cause. Mm-hmm. So they're both, uh, uh, they're both class one carcinogens, but as we were speaking about on the podcast before, mm-hmm. that does not mean that they have the same ability to cause yeah. cancer. So smoking yeah. is significantly worse for that. But they both have significant negative effects on people's lives. Um, but the thing is, in other cultures, like the, the whole social scene is not, focused around alcohol the way it is here so for example like people like us in their mid-twenties even if you don't have lots of money like they'd, they'd do other stuff they'd go to the cinema and they'd like go and eat out and cook for each other and go bowling and just do things that don't involve going to the pub but that confuses Irish people in their mid-twenties like if you say I, I, I am particularly aware of this I think because I have such a poor tolerance for alcohol so because I know that I can't keep up with other people drinking. And if, for example, if I meet somebody for a drink at seven or eight o'clock, I'm finished by nine. Like I can't keep, I can't keep drinking. I just can't do it. Yeah. Um, nor, nor do I have an interest in it. Even if I could, I don't think I, I would because it's just, it's expensive and it makes you feel crap the next day. And I don't like losing a whole day. You know, I, I find that if I say like, oh, maybe we should go and see a play. People are like, oh, we can get a pint before it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That kind of thing. It's just yeah. everything is centered around this idea of alcohol. And I think that's to do with what you were saying about lowering inhibitions. It's because we don't have the confidence socially or culturally to actually just be around each other. We have to lower our inhibitions to actually be around each other. Yeah, that is something that that like they needs to be um, because every everybody I know, every Irish person I know, are very, um, very uh, Self-depreciating or, or yeah. self, self-deprecating, that's the word, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Everybody I know is self-deprecating. And that just comes from, you know... Catholic shame. Yeah, yeah, how we were brought up. And it's just, it, it would be better for us to get maybe some of that... 
American or Canadian confidence that they they're instilled with as like we're the best country in the world and we're the best people in the best country in you the see, world. You see, we say that we're the best people in the world, but we don't believe it. Yeah, we don't believe ourselves. That's the problem. But like Ireland, Ireland is really, really good crack, and we're well known around the world for being good. But good buzz in this. In that cyclical nature, we're only good crack because we're all drunk. Exactly. That's the thing is that there is a perception abroad that like we are all these drunk people and that um, even that Saoirse Ronan sketch, you know, that it's like the Irish work ethic is not understood abroad because like the Irish concept of sure to be grand just doesn't compute for Americans. They don't get it. So like the idea that, for example, in that sketch, like that there would be a dog on the runway of this flight and that we'd be like, oh, ah, sure, yeah, look, it'll just get sorted. It's like Americans would freak out. There'd be a whole situation. There'd be security. Is that what fun. that was about? Yeah, yeah. Oh. I think. I don't, I still, it's a bad joke. But our, yeah, Irish <laughs> people are not understood. And even when I was abroad, um, I kind of like, I didn't drink, I think I probably had three beers in total in the three months I was in America. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have like one beer with a cheeseburger somewhere just because it was nice to have. And I was kind of, I was trying to suss the Guinness situation over there and nowhere at it on tap, of course. Uh, you so, wouldn't want it. No, I, I, I suspected as much, but I got like, I didn't get um, Guinness or even Murphy's, but I got like dark stouts, like the, whatever their beamish. dark stouts were. Yeah, not beamish. Uh, I got a really, you really nice. Got beamish. Beamish. I got That's a really great. nice dark stout in a, a place called Plan B in Connecticut. It was really good Plan in Hartford, beamish. and it was it was really, beamish, really good. Please sponsor the podcast. Um, yeah, but I didn't drink that much. But there, there was kind of a a joke amongst all of the international staff of like, oh, the Irish girl doesn't drink that much. That guy, you know. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, it's just you know, I've. I'll tell you about Oscar Wilde, but I might not have 17 pints with you. That's fine. But mm-hmm. yeah, there is a, a perception abroad that we're done. We should talk a bit about drinking and road safety. Okay. So alcohol consumption severely impairs your ability to make decisions. And given the amount of concentration and focus that is needed to drive, it is you. It's not good. The mixing the two is a bad idea. Um, so of all of the deaths that occur on Irish roads in a given year, how many of them would you say in like what percentage of all deaths on the road would you say are attributable to alcohol or or have alcohol in them as a factor? I would say um at least thirty percent mm, you're not far off thirty eight wow percent yeah. uh, so thirty eight percent of all deaths on Irish roads have alcohol involved in some way um and as as well as many other collisions that result in very serious injuries so where people it there may not be a fatal crash but it certainly will be very significant but even like people who are walking you know drunk pedestrians and stuff yeah. that, that that would also contribute to that it's a, it's it's a i can see why that number is so high yeah. it's not just drink drivers it's drink walkers as well yes but it is predominantly drink drivers yeah predominantly um yeah. so International research uh, shows that even beginning at very, very low levels of alcohol consumption, the risk becomes uh, greater as the alcohol concentration in your blood goes up um, for for safe road use. So your motor skills, everything becomes becomes impaired. So, so there were 983 fatal collisions on Irish roads between 2008 and 2012, uh, with a total of 1,077 people being killed. And uh, there were forensic details of 867 fatal collisions and they were analysed by the Road Safety Authority to see uh, what the cause of the collisions was. And of those, 
alcohol was the main contributing factor in two out of five, so in 330 of them, and it claimed the lives of 286 people. So uh, 69 people were were seriously injured on top of that. So that's a huge amount. Um, and there were 86% of drivers and 51% of passengers not wearing a seatbelt who had consumed oh. alcohol were killed. Um, of the 947 people killed and the 867 collisions that were analysed, 38% of all driver deaths were as a result of the alcohol, 30% of all motorcyclist deaths, 42% of all passenger deaths and 47% of all pedestrian deaths. So you're right about the pedestrian thing, but it definitely the, the driving, the, that, that's to do with the drivers killing the pedestrians, not the pedestrians being drunk, you know. That's... It's very depressing. Very yeah. depressing. Things yeah. have taken a very dark turn. On but this. this is the thing. This is why you can't just have the whole, ah, sure, you're just having the crack. It's it's not. It's it's more serious than that. And it can affect everything in your in your life. As in, you're talking about like liver disease, uh, hugely increased risk of cancer, um, infertility problems, obesity, diabetes, it can, your cardiovascular health, everything. It, everything is affected. So it's it's really dangerous. It is really dangerous. It's really bad for you. And we shouldn't be doing it. it shouldn't be drinking just on the anything scale, except Beamish. Except <laughs> just on the scale that we do it. That's The scale is the problem. Um, well, the scale is the problem. I've got to say, this this podcast has been hard to wring any humour out of <laughs> so far. <laughs> so like, can we move on to, to, to my favourite segment? And maybe we can get get a bit lighter there. Keep people informed, but also keep keep it light. Well, we move on to our your favorite segment, Yay. which is the you know what time it is. You read it out because I can't. No, no, no. I want you to read. It. I wrote it for specifically for you to read it out. Okay. This is the Owen has written in all bold and all caps in the script. Yay. You know what time it is? Oh, ho, 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 mercy me! It's time to hip hopity. <laughs> no, I've read that wrong. You know what time it is? Oh, ho, ho, mercy me. It's time to hippity hop to the Karl Popper shop, which is not a shop that sells poppers, but rather a shop in which one can find the answers to the Karl Popper quiz. I am not a drug dealer. Yeah, that's true. Thank you for that, Joanne. It is. Um, OK, yes, it, of course, it is my favorite segment. Okay, it's quiz time. Is this the jingle? Yeah. Great. OK, so. Um, <laughs> Uh, so, the Carol Popper quiz, it is my, my, my favourite quiz. It's where I name scientists and things that scientists have done, or directly or indirectly responsible for. And you, Joanne, have to decipher whether the, the facts are true or false. And uh, for every, I had, for every one you get right in this, uh, in this quiz, I'd buy you an alcoholic beverage. That's definitely but, uh, after but, the episode we but have. there's five. There's five. So, you know, that'll be your, your daily intake for the week. So Daily know. intake for the week is not Sorry. a... Sorry, be your my weekly, weekly intake. intake. So you're basically you owe me a pint on five separate occasions. Yes. That's responsible that, drinking. That's respo- not even a pint, half a pint. Okay, that's fine. Or, or half a sippy cup. Okay. But everyone you get wrong, uh, you buy me one. Okay, fine. Okay, so... The first statement... James Hutton was a rock star. True or false? I know that name and I can't think of where I know it from. Um, I'm going to say false. Oh, I'm uh, sorry. Uh, you have to buy me a lovely Beamish because um, it is true. Uh, he just... He James Hutton transformed our concepts of the Earth and the universe by deciphering the message carried by common rocks. 
so you could call him a bit of a rock star in that sense. <laughs> okay, right. I just want to... So Owen gets all of his information off of a website called famousscientist.org. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll link no, the source. I'll, I'll give it a link at the end. Yeah. Give a bibliography. Uh, next question or statement. Stephen Jay Gould's work oh. could be compared oh. more to a marathon than to a 100-meter sprint. Well, he, he writes excellent books about evolution, so I'm going to say... You see, that's a very cryptic question. It is. Uh, this is a hard one, I will say that. Like, I, I wrote this very mean. late at night, and um, I've had a very marathon. busy week, Joy. I mean, it is a marathon rather than a sprint, because, I mean, he's talking about, like... Yeah, but change. think of what his work is, and could you say, is that more marathon or sprinty he's thinking of? I think more marathon, because it's evolution. Or Okay, fine, I'm just going to say false. Correct, okay, it is false. Thank you. Because I, I just, I had it as false because Stephen Jay Gould is best known for his theory of punctuated equilibrium, which proposes the evolution of species is not a slow, gradual process, but in fact consists of long periods of sta- sta- stability broken by shorter periods of rapid change. So Which makes perfect sense because you're talking about things that cause mutations, which will be things like radiation or um, exposure to carcinogenic materials. Oh, and please stop dancing and okay. continue with the Carol Popper Thank quiz. You. Um, number three. Everybody loved William Gilbert's personality because it was effluent and magnetic. Effluent? Yeah. The right word to use there. No. Effluent is the, the liquid that leaves a container. I'll say that again. Do you mean effervescent? Yes. So... <laughs> Uh, let me start that one again. Brill. Okay. Um, everybody loved William Gilbert's personality because it was effervescent and magnetic. And you won't oh, be able to cut true. that now. True, he probably had something to do with magnets. Oh. False. No, false, because he didn't do anything with magnets. No, he, he founded the scientific study of magnetism and is regarded um, as a founding father of experimental science, but had really nothing to do with his personality. How have I gotten myself into a situation where I owe you two points because you are bad at writing questions? (laughs) Oh, great. Uh, Yeah, all right. Bernard Ryman would be a big fan of the mighty Bush. True. Correct. Bernard Ryman made profound, far-sighted discoveries uh, with lasting consequences for mathematics and her understanding of time and space. Right? Get it? Last one. I do. I get it. Yes. Last one. Here we go. Without Ada Lovelace, oh. we wouldn't have internet pornography. That's true, because she uh, did computers first. She was a pioneer of computing science. She was the first computer person, which is why I think it's so brilliant when men say, oh, women just aren't as good at programming as like men are. Because the concept of it was invented by a woman. And also, there were an equal number of men and women in computer science positions until the early 90s. So unless you think biology has changed since then, it hasn't. Spoiler alert. Well, uh, that, that's, uh, that's the Carol Popper quiz. You got three, so I owe you three drinks. You owe me two, so really I'll buy you, you one You owe me drink. one drink. Buy you one drink. Um, and of course, as, as Joanne mentioned, I got all my information from www.famousscientists.org. Uh, it's a great website. Um... Yes, as, yeah, enjoy the Spanish flea. 
Yeah, it's, a, it's a good tune. Um, but you can probably fade it out now. Gurmil Maki, a Sakhtay Shuklin. You can catch us on SoundCloud where we are Schrodinger's Shot. Uh, if there's anything you'd like um, to ask us. Oh, oh, I almost forgot, Owen. We have some questions from some listeners, and I've decided that I'm going to get you to answer them. Because oh uh, I think you'll be the you'll give the most scientific answers. I've been saving these. So if you have any science questions that you'd like us to answer on the show, uh, if you're on the Annual Galway campus at all, you can pop by the Flirt FM studios and pop a question in the can science we, question we, box, which can is we on fade the table. out the Spanish plea. No, it's too good. <laughs> okay. Uh, so you can you can pop a question in our science question box in the Flirt FM studios. There you go. Thank you. Got rid of. I couldn't, even, um, I couldn't hear myself. Think with all these Spanish fleas around. Uh, you can pop a question in our science question box, or you can contact us on Instagram or on Facebook, where we are Schrodinger's Chat. Um, you can have a look for us, and you can tell us your science questions and let us know what you would like us to answer. So we have three questions this week, Owen. Okay. Okay. So for time, okay, right. I'll give you I'll give you some. Let's go for the jugular. Is time cyclical or linear? I think time is like a flat circle, like in that <laughs> TV show, True Detective. Next question. I get all my ti- time. Oh, I just ripped it. I get, oh, don't do that. I get all my time uh, information from um, media. Time team. No, from <laughs> media involving ex- um, Matthew McConaughey exclusively. So Interstellar and True Detective. How many sides has a four-dimensional cube got? A four-dimensional cube? Uh, has got I can I don't know if you can hear it dear listeners but I can see Owen thinking six four dimensions yeah I'm thinking of a a cube right so cube has got four dimensions I don't know like cube is three dimensional oh oh There, there we go oh Okay. Is people living on Mars actually feasible or would everyone slowly die or physically deteriorate or just go crazy? Well, whoever asked us this question can just pop onto SoundCloud and have a listen to our space episode where we talked all about Mars and whether or not it's feasible. Uh, And also you can check out Elon Musk. But Owen, what do you think? Do you think everyone would slowly die or physically deteriorate or just go crazy? Uh, no, I think you'd be fine because it's just a chocolate bar. <laughs> uh, thank you <laughs> so much. But it's very difficult to live on it, I, I, I assume. But, you know, you'd be okay. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. You can catch all of our other podcasts on SoundCloud uh, and and do do keep listening and send us your questions. Do. Thank you. Um, uh, watch Lawrence of Arabia. It's a good film. <laughs>